Hey, welcome to the Frank and Zez podcast. I am your host, Bobby Benavides. And I am also your host, Jared St. Martin Brown. I <laughs> got right. it. I got a good <laughs> intro in. <laughs> there it is. And we are here with some special guests today. We have Kat Hampson and Marissa Raposa with us, uh, two uh, women who I met uh, through my denominational um, classes and, and just being a part of different things. Um, but I am excited to have them on because they are women in pastoral leadership. And that's what we want to talk about today, women in pastoral leadership. And really, I want to kind of break down some barriers and, and educate a little bit and also talk about just the, the common things. And so, uh, Marissa, Kat, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Um, <laughs> my name's Kat Hampson, uh, and I pastor at a church uh, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I'm Filipino American and I try to bring all of who I am, um, into ministry with me where God calls me. Marissa. Yeah. Hey, I am Marissa Raposa. Um, I am a church. You said it wrong, but it's okay, Bobby. <laughs> I got an E in my name. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am an associate pastor at uh, a church just outside of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, we're in the midst of a transition right now. So I'm more of like a, uh, in the pinch senior pastor at the moment. Um, and yeah, I am still in school. I'm about to graduate and I got some stuff brewing. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jared and I just wanted to have you on and we were hoping to have another on, but um, unfortunately with family circumstances, they weren't able to be here. But uh, we want to talk about women in ministry. You know, Jared and I, um, we, we kind of touched a little bit on it last week with each other, like off um, the podcast. But we both stand firm in saying, like, we believe that women can be pastors. We believe they should be in leadership roles. They should be, you know, that it's equality, right? In the sense of everybody's, like, this is where God God has gifts for each and every person, and everybody should have a place. But we also recognize that we live in a church culture, and um, in a, a lot of ways, in especially in West Virginia, where um, women aren't necessarily valued or appreciated in the pastoral role in, in several places. We'll see them in the Methodist church being celebrated um, and being lifted up, but very rarely do we see women being recognized as pastors um, outside of that. And so we wanted to talk to you about your call. When did you feel led into ministry? What, is, what have been interactions that you've had around that? And how can the church really be better about this um, in, in supporting and educating and in, in valuing women in leadership. So, so I'm going to go ahead and just start it off with, I'll go ahead and say Marissa, since I got your name wrong, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to start off with you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with it. What, what, like, we'll talk about your call, talk about when you feel, felt led into ministry and where you got the support to do that. Yeah. Um, so I actually grew up in the Methodist church and I'm from Indiana. So it's kind of like the, the upper part of the, the belt buckle, you know, for the, 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 um, the South, uh, and their, their faith believing, <laughs> uh, the part of the Bible belt, I guess is the, the correct term. Um, but yeah, I know I grew up in a very, um, authoritarian, not really complementarian type atmosphere um, where women did female jobs like stay home and raise the children, become a teacher, be a nurse, you know, those types of things. Um, I didn't have any type of female um, 
pastoral representation until junior high, I think it was. Um, and I didn't understand it. You know, I was just like being told my entire adolescence, women can't do this, women can't do that. Um, and then here I see a contradiction to that and a female stepping in and leading me as a youth. Um, and, and it was just a, so, such a profound impact on, on my life. Um, and I remember going to the good old youth youth rallies of Acquire the Fire back in the back in the day, and uh, going down for an altar call. I mean, I I, I believed in Jesus, uh, gosh, since I was like five or six. But like, you know, I I totally think that there's like this this cycle, you know, where we're just like, yeah, let's let's reaffirm it, you know. And it was one of those moments for me. And I was just down on the the stadium floor, and felt this deep uh, sense of calling that like, this is, this is me. This is who I am. Um, and I ran from it, you know, because everything around me said, no, don't do it. That's, you're not allowed to, you know? Um, but I explored it like nobody's business. I was like, well, I feel this way. Why, why, you know, are people saying that I can't? And so I was reading the, like, you can't version of this. And uh, the regurgitated nonsense of, of, you know, really stifling, stifling women, um, out of leadership and pastoral call. Um, and I went to uh, different churches and moved to new England and, um, out here, like, I feel like I see more female pastors, like the UCC has, um, the Presbyterians, the Episcopals, you know, so I'm just like, wow, I am surrounded by the, the, the opposite of what I grew up in. Um, and I went to a very authoritarian church at the time and then went to a more uh, complementarian type church and I still just didn't feel right. And I was running and like, it hit me on the head. Like I, I can't, I'm unhealthy mentally and emotionally. Um, and I'm taking it down on people that I love, you know, it's, it sounds weird. Like I'm running from this calling and, um, and I'm angry about it you know, angry that I can't do anything about it and angry that like, mm -hmm. I'm running, you know? Um, and so I just, my husband went away on a trip and I was like, you know what? My kids are asleep. So I'm just going to be knees on the floor. Like, God, what do you want from me right now? What can I do? Um, and it was just like surrender, just a word that kept coming to me, just surrender to it, just do it. And so I I, my husband came home and I was like, yo, bro, I have got to stop with this because I'm so unhappy. And he was like, all right, let's talk about it. Let's explore the options. What can we do? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I've already applied. <laughs> I'm going to do it. So, uh, so I applied to seminary and with, I got a, like a, a 11 hour or 12 hour return. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and now I'm about to graduate and became an associate pastor. So, um, I'm now entering my sixth year, I'm fifth, I'm in my fifth year um, of ministry and boom, <laughs> so much has happened. So, so yeah, so that's, that's, did I answer your question? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's good. That's, so that's, that's your story. That's awesome. Now, Kat, let's hear yours. Oh my goodness. I, I, I want to hear more of Marisa's. Um, so I did not grow up in the United States. Um, I actually grew up in the Middle East um, as uh, a child of Filipino um, expats who had moved from the Philippines, who were trying to um, 
just find a job, find a better life outside of the country. Um, so they moved to the Middle East and um, the the country that they stayed in that I eventually grew up in um, had freedom of worship in that it, you know, it allowed um, its residents to um, kind of congregate, to, 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 you know, be in churches. And um, the particular church that we were a part of as a family um, was associated with the International Baptist Convention, um, which I understand is pretty closely related or tied yeah, to the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so I did not grow up seeing women in pastoral ministry. I think there was kind of a women's ministries um, and a lot of women's retreats and a lot of pink and a lot of things about motherhood <laughs> um, and flowers and things like that. Um, not dissonant, but this is what I saw as a, as a young kid. Um, and that seemed to be the only place where kind of women could practice um, gifts that God had given them. Um, and I don't think I, at that point, any pushed back because I, I, I think I just did not know anything else. Um, and it seemed to me that if you were a bright, passionate, charismatic young girl who loved Jesus, I guess women's ministries were where you would end up. Um, we were, as a family, we were pretty involved in the worship ministry, but even then, I think there were kind of rumblings of, well, are women allowed to lead worship? Are they allowed to be that lead singer uh, up front? Or, you know, it just, or are they kind of destined to sing harmonies all the time? Or, you know, just not be in the front. There was, a, there was a conversation there that floated over my head um, when I was young, um, but I don't think I really uh, grasped at the gravity of what was being talked about. Um, and so I went to, uh, went to college in the United States in the Boston area. Um, and that was actually an college ministry was the first time that I saw a woman teach, um, teach scripture. Um, and it floored me. I don't think I, I, it took me a little while to understand why I felt so, um, why it felt so deconstructing to use that word. It was like, this is unsettling, but really liberating, but really confusing, but inspiring. I don't know, I, I don't know why. Um, and there was a sense where I was like, where I realized, you know, God is calling this woman to speak truth into my life. And it wasn't that she was kind of splitting, putting her own spin on scripture. No, she was being faithful to the word of God. We were really, we were digging into, you know, into that passage. We were, you know, we had highlighters and pens and Bible dictionaries and things like that. And the things that we, <laughs> y'all are, are laughing at me. We were, we were nerds in there. Um, but there was, there, there was a, a moment where I was like, this isn't, you know, all the things that may have kind of floated into my subconscious about, oh my goodness, like what would happen if you let a woman loose in the pulpit? Um, I don't think anyone ever said that to me, but it was one of these like, wait a minute, I can't believe that anymore because here, here is, you know, a woman of God who is teaching us to open scripture and see um, and encounter the living word and am I just going to discount her because she's a woman? That sounds, a, that, that there's something off there. Um, I kind of stumbled into the covenant 
entirely by accident. Uh, I was a college kid and I was looking for the nearest kind of church <laughs> that I resonated with and it happened to be a covenant church. Um, and there were also examples there of um, you know, just women in, in pastoral ministry. Uh, at that time, the lead pastor and the associate pastor were both men, um, but there was that openness that they talked about, about, you know, would they allow a woman to preach? Like, absolutely. Um, would, would we allow them to teach Sunday school? Yeah, why not? Um, and so it was, it was a kind of like a, oh, that's, are you, and you're connected to a denomination? What denomination is this? Let me, talk to me more about this. Um, so that was my introduction to the covenant. Um, but my call, so my, my, I guess my own call to ministry uh, happened in senior year of college where um, I had been leading a, um, a Bible study for our college ministry. And there was an international student who, who kind of floated by and was like, oh, I'm really not interested in Christianity. I'm just interested in observing Christians because we don't have, like, I don't get to really talk to Christians back home. And I'm like, oh, Lord, one of these uh, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, and I was incredibly skeptical of having her in this group, but, um, long story short, she, uh, she gave her life to Christ. And, um, I remember as she shared her testimony, weeping and thinking, oh my goodness, I was that person when she, you know, came to the room who thought, why is she here? She'll, you know, she'll be a Debbie Downer. I don't really want her questions. What's going on? Um, but it was in that moment of, um, it was in that really humbling moment where God asked me, um, do you want to see people come alive? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, well then come with me and we'll, and you'll see. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of taken me uh, different places. I, I was um, on college ministry staff for a little while um, then felt an invitation to go to seminary um, and then and graduated in 2018 and um, only recently just got finalized for ordination with the covenant um, and kind of just and <laughs> Marisa's clapping <laughs> on mute, which I feel incredibly affirmed, guys. Thanks. Um, and exploring exploring calls um, in the area. Uh, but that question of uh, that God, you know, asked me like 16, 15, 16 years ago of like, do you want to see people come alive? Um, and me saying yes has um, still resonated. So I think that if God calls um, one of his daughters and says, do you want to see people come alive in Christ? Um, and she says, yes, then that's, that's God's calling on their life that uh, who are we to deny? That's great. I think um, so I think for, for me, like what I heard you guys say a lot was like, okay, look, like this is what I saw, you know, like for Kat, you shared women were meant to be in women's ministry, you know, or teaching Sunday school, maybe, you know, maybe leading on worship, like, which is kind of interesting. Right. But it's like, that's the, I think that's a, a really a pervading issue. I think in a lot of places, you know, where it's like, okay, you're a woman, then you want to be Sunday school teacher. Uh, you're a woman, you want to be in the nursery. I mean, that's that's where you fit. Or you are going to be in the kitchen ministry of caring for the food, right? This is like, for some reason, that's the mental thing that goes. And and I, I don't know if it's just a cultural, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but like, I feel like that's kind of a, that's a, that's a big thing that happens. 
But then you also have the men who would say, no, that is where you belong because you are not supposed to be teaching men. The Bible says that, right? Um, and, and I'm going to let you guys answer that question because because the because people would say the Bible tells us women are supposed to be quiet, men are supposed to just be you know doing whatever. Um, now you guys know where I stand. I'm just I'm just saying that this is what people would go to and say this is where the Bible says. So when somebody would say that to you. How would you respond? We'll start with Kat on that. Like, and, and Jerry, feel free to jump in if you need to, because like, I don't want to, um, because, um, because I'm, because I'm interested because the thing is like, you know, for me, I, I want to make sure that I, 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 um, I provide a place of safety. I provide a place of affirmation um, to where if a woman comes to me and says that she feels like she is called into leadership, that I can be a support to that and encourager to that. But then when I have another person come to me and say, well, don't you feel like you shouldn't be letting a woman teach you? Um, you know, like, I, I want to be able to respond to that. But I also want to hear from from your perspective, if you hear somebody say that, how do you respond? Hmm. Uh, we were joking uh, just before the podcast started that um, Marisa and I may have uh we approach these with, with different postures. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm looking forward to hear her um, say more on this, but my, I guess it, it, if, if countered with that, and I think it does depend on who's asking and the sentiment or the feeling behind it. Um, you know, if it was someone who was really, who was, um, if it was a woman who was questioning um, whether God has called her into ministry, I guess my, my posture might be, might be different than someone who is like, well, you know, first Timothy two twelve says, I do not permit. And I'll be like, all right, sit down for a second. Calm or calm yourself, calm yourself. Um, because that's, uh, that, that would be the first kind of text of scripture that would come at a woman preacher. You know, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Um, and my response would be, uh, as a summary is one, Okay, I can I I would af- I will affirm that you want to hold true to scripture. That is a value. That is you if you're if you're talking to someone who loves scripture and who who desperately wants to know, you know, truth behind it, who 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 seeks that, I I want to affirm that. Um and say okay, let's look at Paul's um teaching and examine them in their context, because that's important. Um, What is the biblical context? What's the cultural context? What's the historical and cultural context? Again, affirming their love for scripture and saying, let's bring that out and and, and, and actually look at this together. Where, um, where do you see, how do you see Paul's relationship with uh, women who want to serve in the church? Um, And I think reading that, or not reading, just reading that, but reading um, Paul's letters um, and and the book of Acts, seeing that he makes, uh, the way he practices ministry is that he actually um, honors and he releases women um, to serve uh, and to teach and to prophesy and evangelize. um, And he names women in his letters and he elevates them and he affirms them. Um, And I think, and so when you look at, you know, just the, that text of First Timothy two twelve. You have to hold that intention, like in tension, 
you have to hold it intentionally in tension. <laughs> Your podcast listeners are like, what is she talking about? Um, <laughs> but you do. You have to hold both of these and say, okay, well then if this is what we see in Paul's practice, praxis of ministry, um, then what might we not be, what might be we be missing if we take First Timothy 2.12 and kind of elevate it to a status of um, this should be true for all circumstances, no matter what period. Do we, what do we exclude? You know, is there any wiggle room in that? Is there any contextual part in that? Is there uh, more conversation? And I think if someone shuts the door and says like, well, it's said, it's, well, what is said is said. I'll be like, well, are we really honoring the power of the Holy Spirit in the living word right now? Um, or is there room to really press this into conversation? So I would start with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, curious to know, Marisa, what, what, what would your first response be? Uh, yeah. So I love diving into these conversations. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. Cause <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like, oh. you know, yes, you have to know the cultural background, the, the social history uh, or constructs of, of our ancient brothers and sisters and um, what it was like for a woman in that day and age anyway, you know, mm. so truly just understanding who, who, who wrote it, what was the cultural context, you know, like you totally hit that on the head. Um, I actually stay away from Paul a lot when I, I talk to people about this because it's like reading somebody's mail. Somebody hears this all the time. Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's someone's mail to a specific person about a specific situation, you know, and I was told one time, like when you're reading scripture, if it's a momentary blip, it's a momentary blip. Mm -hmm. It's not part of the overarching our arching story. And so I go back like, dude, look, there was mm -hmm. a woman, she was created. She's an Ezer, you know, that's mm -hmm. warrior, sustainer, mm -hmm. you know, that's a partnership that God says, Hey, it's not good for man to be alone. Not, it's not good for man to have a helper, you know, like, like that, that's not what he said, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's how, you know, our ancient brothers and sisters wrote this scripture that, it's not good. <laughs> it's good. Man needs an equal partner, which is which is what you know Eve is. It's taken from Adam's side. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's a mm -hmm. partnership, um, not a dictatorship over you know the the woman or anything like that. Um, and then you just go through the narratives of scripture. Mm. You know, like and this overarching story. Like, look at all of the women that were called to be leaders, to be ministers to mm -hmm. this world that they were in. And they weren't all Hebrews, you know, mm -hmm. they, they were the outsiders. They were the oppressed, you know? Um, and then you get to Jesus and you get this like phenomenal moment of Jesus. Like my, my favorite story is a woman at the well. Mm -hmm. uh, because aren't we all like this outcasted woman at the well who's just uh, you know disliked by her entire community and goes out to draw water and has this deep theological conversation with Jesus and she goes back and tells her community she preaches mm -hmm. to her community and they all come to Jesus like if that's not elevating women with power and authority mm. in scripture and in practice, then like walk away, man, because mm -hmm. that's yeah. like it right there. And then, you know, you continue through Jesus's ministry and what is Jesus doing with 
with the three Marys, you know, or the more, you know, mm-hmm. Mary of Bethany is like recognized as a priest because of her anointing of Jesus with the oil, um, as, as a, as a priest would anoint a king, you know, and all of the men in the room are like, what are you letting her get away with right now? You know? And he's just like, let her be like, you have no idea what she's actually doing right now. So again, another elevation. And then you see Mary Magdalene, you know, who's the first at this, this tomb. Mm -hmm. And she's the first apostle, like, come on, come on, guys. Like, she's giving the word. She's like, he is here. He is alive. And she goes and tells the men and is like, brothers, I saw him alive, (laughs) you know, and they're just like, Okay, let's, <laughs> you let's, saw what? Let's go investigate this, you know. And like, it's the truth, you know. And all these other women that Jesus just empowered to go and live into their calling as as partners in in his mission. And then you know, and then we get into Paul, where then you get into all the social the the social constructs, you know, where women didn't have a place. You know, women in in ancient times didn't have uh, property. They didn't have a voice. They they didn't have anything. You know, and it was they were sold as property into marriages and had arranged marriages. All this stuff. You know, and it's it's not the time that we're living in right now either. You know, and the fact that women are even recognized in the Bible is huge. Like, there's intentionality mm-hmm. behind the Book of Ruth. Mm-hmm the mentioning of Deborah, the mentioning of, you know, all these mm-hmm. other phenomenal women in scripture. Um, and then you get to that, that, that section where Paul's like, women, shut up, let us men do the thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where everybody goes to. They're like, no, Paul said, you need to shut up and sit down, you know, let, let, let the men do the thing. And uh, man, if you knew anything about Ephesus and what was going on in the cults, mm-hmm that were there, like, you understand why Paul was like, stop letting the women speak. You know, they were part of this cult where <laughs> I'm not going to go too much into it because you might have to put explicit on your podcast. <laughs> not safe for work. Look at Ephesus. It wouldn't be the first time, so don't worry. It's okay. mm. Oh, we've, we've been there already. So it was Bobby. Bobby's the one that well, it was a sex cult. Okay. So these women would, would prostitute themselves and, and, um, and they would adorn themselves with jewelry and these flashy things to get the men to come and they would do their thing. And, and so when Paul's like, wear this, because it's a mm-hmm. disassociation from that cult saying, we don't recognize that woman as uh, an, an, an oracle of Deborah, you know, or, or whatever the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the cult actually. Um, and wear this mm-hmm. because it's going to recognize, it's going to separate you, you know, and, and, and there were just practices within that cult that, that Paul was saying, Hey, we don't want, we don't want what we know to be, in, what what you're doing to be impressed upon, like you know, we don't we don't want that brought into who we are. You know, that's a different identity, um, and so this is more of a, a of an identity thing, not like a women can't preach thing. It's an identity thing. Like you are a woman of Ephesus, mm-hmm. and now you're coming to the temple. 
You are now a woman of temple. You are now a woman who's following Jesus. We don't adorn ourselves because that says you're associated with whatever, you know, like, I don't want to get into politics, but like if I was going around wearing certain political garbage, you know, people would know that I associate with that certain thing. It's the same thing, you know, like don't wear it, show that you don't associate with it, you know? So, um, yeah, man, I love digging into this stuff, but I'll I'll leave it at that. Oh God. I I just feel like, uh, let me just, I want to affirm Marisa. That is a whole lot of truth (laughs) right, right there. I just wanted to do the Pentecostal what? what you know? <laughs> We're all coming to Jesus Amen. today. <laughs> I know, I know, we really, really are. Um, what I love about what you just said is you broaden it from just this blip to 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 like, okay, well then let's look at Paul, but then let's look at the whole of scriptures and let's look at Jesus. And uh and 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 just gosh, if the gospel is a story of Jesus Christ from beginning to end, yeah, let's situate everything else around that. And then what does it mean for uh, God to pour out his spirit and for, you know, sons and daughters to prophesy and then see actually Jesus set people or liberate women to be the first evangelist, be the first apostles. Um, I think that, 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 that just so resonates with, um, with the larger story of where women fit in and um, yeah. yeah, where, where, where God is calling them to be if they are called yeah. into ministry. Yeah. I like, I like this little part that you keep saying, like bringing people to life, you know, that, that in your call, uh, because that's one of the analogies that I use, like, bro, if I have the water to save your life um, and you don't want it because I'm a woman, that's your choice. Like, here you go. I'm giving you living water so you can flourish and you're going to deny it and die because I'm a different gender, like, come on, <laughs> like, really? No, that's a, that's a huge statement right there. I mean, that's, that's big. I think that, um, you know, when we think about the bigger pictures, like, wait a second, like, why, why would God, number one, create man and woman and only allow one person, one of those genders to be the one that shares the word? Why would he, why, why would he do that? That's ridiculous, right? We got to think broader. We got to imagine. We got to think that we have a God with a bigger picture in mind than just what we kind of feel. I think too. We got. I think some men have to acknowledge the threat, right? Um, men have had power for so long, and when women come into power, it's like, wait a second. Like, I think that there would be some men who would listen to this podcast and recognize that Jared and I have been silent. And they would say, look, this is the Mm. problem. Because when (laughs) women go into power, men have to be quiet and we can't say anything. We're listening. We're acknowledging. We're valuing your story. Like this is like, this is really what it should be is where we, we, we find a balance because I think what has happened is many times is, okay, go ahead and share a little bit, but then, okay, I don't want to hear anymore. And I'm going to keep talking over you. Jared and I are like, we're going to sit back and we're going to let you talk because we want people to hear this. We want people to hear this. It's a, because the reality of it is, is that there have been so many people who have been afraid to let women have power to allow the process to occur because it takes away their power. It takes away their authority. It takes away their strength, their masculinity, right? That, that, well, I need to be because I'm, I'm the man. Well, dude, come on, you know, like, like when, when Paul even wrote, 
there's no man, no woman, no, 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 no Gentile or Jew. It's like he said, look, like it, there's clarity in this. There's, and then to even go any further, there's priesthood of all believers. So when we say priesthood of all believers, of all saints, like, wait a second, like that means that everybody holds the ability to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter where you share it from, you have the authority because it's been given to us through the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ. And now we have a part in the kingdom. It's a bigger picture. Image of God, both male and female. God, they were created, you know, and I just love that, that, that piece where it's like, dude, there is no male, no female. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no black or white. There is, it's just us, man. It's just us. And we're allowing each other to flourish and share in our responsibilities. And that's Jesus's entire message. That's Israel's entire calling is to bring about those kingdom characteristics. And you can't do that with a single gender. You need both. And in order to see the image of God, the fullness of God, women have to be preaching. Yes, very good. <laughs> I think I think that's, I mean, it, it's definitely essential, right? We have to recognize that. And, um, you know, I mean, men were created first, though. So there you go. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but like, hey. <laughs> <We're getting laughs> that's the <laughs> debate here, probably. <laughs> right, let's, let's go back to, uh, to, to Old Testament 101, buddy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, trust me, it's it's fun. Um, but no, that's all fun. I mean, I think that women were created because men didn't know how to name things. We were too stupid to figure it all out. So he's like, look, okay, you're smarter. You do this because they're like they don't get it. That's just, but that's a whole other thing. But um, so I don't know, Jared. Jared, I don't know how you were like raised in the church because I wasn't raised in the church. So I came in, and I've shared this many times, but I came in when I was 16 years old, and I came to know Jesus, and like I saw women pastors at my Presbyterian church in Glendora, California. And I, you know, I was a part of that and I was experiencing that. And I remember like finding out like all this stuff afterwards about how, well, women, women aren't supposed to be teaching. I'm like, wait, what, why is that? Um, I remember learning when I went to my, I went home and I told my family that I became a Christian. My, my uncle, who's a homosexual was like, oh, so you hate me now. And I was like, am I supposed to? Like, is that a rule? And he's like, well, most Christians do. And I had to like talk to him about that. And we had a great conversation, but I was like, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I was, I mean, like I wasn't raised in the church. So, so I wasn't raised to feel this way. So I think that's why it may be easier for me to accept it. But I, like for Jared, I don't like, I'd love to hear your background on, on coming because I know you, you've come to recognize this a little bit. Yeah. So uh, my background it sounds similar to what uh, Marissa described. You know, um, it was pretty uh, conservative. So I grew up in West Virginia, and um, where uh, Marissa and Kat live now, um, we call that the North. And we, I, I feel, you know, uh, you know, juxtaposed uh, next to people in New England. I'm like, well, I feel like I'm in the South now. You know, sometimes Bobby and I talk to someone maybe from North Carolina or Washington, D.C., and we feel like, wow, we're, you know, we're not so Southern. But uh, today I, I feel like it. And um, yeah, you, you never saw that, you know, um, you, you saw the sort of um, uh, traditional, um, you know, the 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 country preacher role, you know, with the, the tie tack, you know, and, and, um, there was always this sort of, uh, climactic style of shouting and preaching, you know, that's, you know, uh, and, and then ending with an altar call and, you know, many, um, 
repetitions of just as I am. You know, <laughs> that's how I grew up. You could see uh, women um, in what you know, nurturing roles. You know, um, not to speak dismissively of that. I think they have an amazing impact in that. Um, but um, like puppet ministry, uh, you know, or if we had a youth group. Um, the there would be a youth pastor and a youth pastor's wife who I didn't really understand then was also a pastor. But now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah. But in that culture, if when the male youth pastor spoke, it was to like everybody. And then when it, when the, if if uh, the the woman youth pastor spoke, it was it was like maybe just to the girls. Like we split up, you know, and we went and like had the talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. Um, about God and, and sex and everything. That's sort of like what I grew up with. I didn't really know that I had this, um, the, this bias or this sort of like cultural framework, uh, around my mind until, uh, I, you know, I, I grew up with a girl in, in high school and she always had this like inner light about her, you know, and that you just thought, man, she's really going to, to do something. You know, it was, I didn't know this, but it was, it was, it was really the Holy spirit, you know, just shining out through her, but I didn't realize it then. And then years later, I run into her at a bluegrass festival and she says, Oh, you know what I do now? I'm a, I'm a pastor in the Lutheran church. And, uh, my response to that mentally, I, here's what I said. I said, Oh, that's great. My response mentally, uh, was so like, paternalistic and so sexist. I was just like thinking, <laughs> that's not real. Like, what is she talking about? You know? And, um, and then uh, it was only like, maybe like a year later, I, I suddenly went, you know what? If the entire Lutheran church says she is, then who am I to say she's not, you know? Yeah. So, but that was the beginning of maybe a long journey, but actually this talk listening um, to you is, is is part of that journey. You know, uh, I, I'm quiet because I'm learning, but I'm excited because <laughs> there are a couple of things. I, I, I have a friend who uh, I know listens to this podcast and um, this person is very much describing um, the, the type of uh, frustration uh, that Marissa was describing when you were sort of like on the cusp of like, you know, God is calling me to this. And I'm frustrated that I'm not doing this. It's it's kind of where she is, and, and I, I've heard her bring it up a few times. So I'm I'm excited um, for this to be out in the ether. Um, I think other people who who feel that um, are maybe experiencing that as well. Um, that's just kind of where I am. That's my background. But um, I, I I have had these moments though where. I feel very humbled in this whole gender roles thing. Um, uh, you know, this, this particular friend, uh, when we had first become friends, um, she was pregnant and we were having this prayer night at, at church and um, she, people would sort of get up and, and lead prayer. It was sort of this free form prayer night and she's pregnant and she gets up and starts to pray. And it, it was it was this moment, you know what I mean? Like you're in this moment and you're like, wow, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking through this person. Um, I would say it was prophetic, but not prophetic, like telling the future prophetic as in giving us all understanding of what the scriptures say, like that, that definition of, of prophecy. And I'm, I'm watching her minister to us, preach to us. Uh, and it suddenly gave me this 
feeling that, um, well, you know, when Mary in the Bible is told that she is pregnant with Jesus, the first thing she does is speak prophecy and what we now call the the Magnificat, you know. And um, I, I don't think this gets read enough in, in the type of churches that I grew up in, in Protestant churches. You know, it's something that, um, you know, Catholics uh, are a lot more accepting of, you know, Mother Mary. But it occurs. It occurred to me then, and I think about it every so often now, that um, here is really the first person to understand the Messiah has come. Um, his body is in her body growing. And she speaks this prophecy that I could see why it's kind of unpopular now. It's about bringing justice to the earth and bringing the proud people down, you know, and lifting the meek and the lowly. It's not a popular message for powerful people, you know? Um, and, and here she is about to give birth to like this great equalizer. And um, I saw my friend who was pregnant and speaking uh, words really just as powerful at that time. And, you know, I did kind of come away from that going, man, who am I to believe this, this bull that, you know, women don't speak in church? It's good. Yeah. And um, I actually might go ahead and put that in our show notes that the whole prayer, because I think it is really powerful, but, um, but so we're running short on time. So I'm going to ask you guys one last question because what needs to happen, right? Because I think for people who want to say, all right, whether they agree with it or not, but they will say, you know what, if I see a woman who says she wants to become a pastor, um, I'm going to support that. I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to affirm that. Even though I may not necessarily agree with it personally, but hey, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Or for those who do agree with it, but have never really been active in speaking up, I want to hear from you guys. What would you say to the church now saying, what can we be doing better to be affirming, to be a supportive, to be encouraging? What would you want to see happen? Um, I think that's a, I think that question makes sense. At least it does in my head as I'm saying it. I don't know. But if it doesn't, then come up with your own question and answer it because that'd be good. I think the first thing, um, the first thing that I would encourage the church to do is, uh, well, to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. So first of all, glad that, glad that the church is affirming. That's awesome. Um, but what are the structural, uh, supports, uh, that women are actually given, um, in order to, um, you know, pursue a calling into ministry to develop skills um, to build relationships around um, growing as a leader and growing as a minister. Um, one of the first things that uh, was kind of given to me that was an incredible gift was the gift of space, where people hold space and give space and say, hey, I know that I could be preaching at this conference but I want you to, I'm going to put your name in. I'm going to like, make sure that you are there, um, that there is that diverse representation, that there is, uh, a woman on stage preaching and, 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 and I'll, I'll, I'll give you that platform. Um, so it's an incredible thing when, um, men, <laughs> men in ministry as partners in ministry, give their platform, um, to elevate, uh, their 
the women as partners in ministry. Um, another thing I would say is to be conscious, you know, just to be conscious of, of, of that bias of, of, um, that that's in our heads that at, you know, whether it's at a pastoral search or looking for the next, you know, adult Bible study teacher, um, are we too quick to say, ah, you know, she won't really be a good fit because she just won't be a good fit. That's very, very vague. Um, what does it mean to not be a good fit? Is there something that we need to unearth here? Um, so having, you know, I can anticipate that that would be hard conversations to have and really uncomfortable ones. Cause I think when we're confronted with, um, you know, with our bias, it doesn't, feel, you know, Jared talked about it. Like it doesn't feel so good. Um, but I think it's those important conversations and, 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 um, a giving up and, and a sharing of platforms that will, uh, really demonstrate whether, um, there's, there's truth to, you know, words of affirmation. Uh, yeah, I, I, yep. <laughs> Everything she just said. <laughs> um, you know, so when I announced that I was going into pastoral ministry, um, the very first words that were spoken to me from someone outside of my group was that I was defiling the faith. And that crushed me. It just absolutely crushed me um, because I had been a believer have been a believer for so long, like my entire life. I grew up in the church. And for somebody to say, because I was going to read scripture and talk about it, I was defiling something that I believed in. Um, it broke me. And we're still doing that <laughs> to our sisters. Um, and we're doing that to our brothers. You know, as, as Bobby mentioned, like, you know, his, his own pastoral call was, was, was brought into question, you know, um, because of allowing women to preach. And I think we get so caught up in the word, the title of what a woman or a man is doing, um, as pastor, you know, um, <clears throat> pastor is a modern term. It's, it's, it's thousands years old, but it's still a modern concept. Um, and how we talk about it is a modern concept. So I think that we need to recognize, like, in the ancient days, a pastor is a shepherd, somebody who is caring for their flock, somebody who is caring for their community, somebody who is sitting down and wrestling with scripture and life in conjunction together and growing and nurturing themselves, their community, displaying their theology <laughs> in practice, you know. Um, and we don't do that anymore. We just read like regurgitated material from a few select people. <laughs> I'm not going to name some names, but thems be the people we be reading. And I think we need to shift away from that. We need to go, all right, you've said what you've said. What does everybody else say? What does scripture say? Uh, cause you're not reading it. <laughs> we are in such a post-Christian world. We're not even reading scripture together and we're reading it with a specific lens that stems in our cultural surroundings. You know, if we're going to be in a conservative, um, authoritarian type atmosphere, that's how we're reading scripture. You know, 
but you can step outside of that and come to a different conclusion or just acknowledge that, okay, somebody else believes that. Great. My question is, what does my pastoring, caring for my flock have to do with you? How is what I'm doing affecting you personally? It's not. It's not. And I'm actually inviting you into this care and community and grow and nurture with us, you know, um, rather than continuing to, to shun and belittle and, um, you know, live into that, which, you know, oppresses women, um, specifically women in, in ministry. Um, it's hard <laughs> for, for us women. Um, and I, I think one of the things that we don't recognize is that, um, Women go far above and beyond what men <laughs> in ministry have to do um, to still get told no, or they're not good enough, or they can only be the director, you know? So yeah, let's <laughs> ask the church, let's, you know, move past this title. Let's move past this, like, women can only do this, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I have more. Again, Kate, Kat added added uh, so much there. Um, yeah, yeah. Inviting women into the pulpit and just shut up and listen. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> don't just like <laughs> like invite them to be in your pulpit to to be pulpit supply, but like so you can go on vacation. But like, man, invite them on a Sunday where you're sitting down. And let them minister over you because you need to hear it too. You need to hear it too. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. let's do it. Yes. And amen. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. I, um, you know, when you're talking about reading scripture, I think, you know, this is kind of, um, I think what, what we've noticed or what I've noticed or what we've found is that we tend to read scripture and we want to define it. Like we want to define scripture. We don't let scripture define us, right? And and that's where the problem is. Scripture is supposed to be changing us. We don't change scripture. Scripture is supposed to define who we are. We don't define scripture. And so when we when we try to make God into being what we feel comfortable with, we're going to be failing because he doesn't fit in the box. I love doing this because I end up voting, right? But it's the reality. It's like he's not in a box. Like he's he's out here. And so it's like, but when we try to put him in that box, we're we're trying to be God ourselves. And we're trying to tell him who he should allow to be an authority. We're trying to tell him who she, he should allow to be welcomed into the party. And he's like, wait a second. Like, where do you think, where do you come off? in your pompous attitude, thinking that you know me, like you know me f- so well, when I haven't even allowed you to, to even get a full glimpse of who I am. Because if you saw everything that I am, it would destroy you. So if I can't even let you see who, all of who I am that way, then why do you think you can fully understand me in, with that little blip, as you put it, that little blip that's in there? You want to tell me that that tells you who's allowed to be an authority? No. Because look at all, look at all the scriptural evidence that shows women in leadership we can celebrate ruth as a wonderful story right esther oh my gosh oh my gosh esther like 
and we'll do is a great Sunday school lesson and we'll be able to watch the veggie tales and wonderful. But then when we try to allow that to become a, a, a representation of affirming and lifting up a female over an authority, it's like, well, 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 wait a second. No, like the Bible tells us very clearly. So we have to be open. We have to be willing. We have to be willing to listen, engage, affirm. And I love that. When COVID is over, I want you guys to come and visit my church and to fill and, and to be there. And I will gladly sit and I will gladly listen because the reality of it is, is that yes, men need to be able to demonstrate. We need to show, like, look, women have a place. We have this ability to let you to let that happen. We have to be humble enough to sit our butts down and allow other people to speak and allow God to use them to share his good news because the reality of it is I don't have full I don't have all control over the good news. Jared doesn't. Uh John Piper doesn't. Um you know the other dudes that are out there that that want to go ahead and tell Beth Moore to go home. You know, but the you know you when that kind of stuff that happens, it's like how damaging is that? Because again, you're saying that that person who's been created by God, who's been given the ability to share the good news and speak truth into the lives of the people and bring life into people, Kat, and to help people experience a new, a new understanding of God. But because they're a different gender than me, there's no way he could use them to, to really create change. I'm the one because I'm the man. Bullcrap, dude. That's not, a, that's not how it works. Um, and so, again, um, Jared, do you have anything more to add into this? Do you would you would you like to? Are you are you afraid to? Are you okay? Like, no, I have nothing intelligent to add. I just saw you Vogue, and I just want to say that was the not the Madonna we were talking about before. It was a different one. Right, you're right. You're right. Um, I I need to put my cones away. I'm sorry. Um, but with that though, um, I want to thank. Uh, Marissa and Kat for joining us. Thank you so much. I love this conversation and an hour isn't enough. So we'll probably be asking you guys to come back on and have a deeper conversation again about this because it needs to be had. It needs to be shared. And so um, thank you again for joining us. Um, you know, with that, uh, you know, yeah, Marissa, I'm going to go ahead and plug you because you're starting a podcast soon, I am. hopefully. Yes. <laughs> and, and what's the name of that podcast again? We're talking. <laughs> We're talking. It's the name of the podcast. Uh, and it is like all female uh, inviting uh, other women and uh, genders and orientations into the dialogue um, to talk about stuff like this um, and a lot of social justice issues and, you know, how we move about in the world, not just as um, people of the word, but like people <laughs> like awesome. first and foremost we're just people like who are created in the image of god you know whether we're going to recognize it or not we still you know you don't have to be a jerk <laughs> basically um but yeah like hey man we're gonna we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about it we're gonna round table it and um yeah yeah so spring awesome. spring so exciting. <laughs> yeah well good well i'm gonna go ahead and make sure that um we, we plug that when it's ready because uh because i'm excited to i'm excited to subscribe okay. to that and excited to support that do you have anything do you have anything fun like that do you can, you know just... at this point in time not really um but i am happy to follow y'all's uh i'm right now just exploring a call um into ministry 
figuring out ordination stuff, parenting a 15 month old and um, <laughs> exploring what, you know, what God has for me next. So I, I although I, I will take podcasts with me everywhere I go. So now I have extra podcasts to add to my list and enjoy and be blessed by. So. Awesome. Well, again, I'm Jared and I are both equally glad to have you on and we will have you, you know, we'll probably have you on as extra guests for other topics, not just women in ministry, because why not? Um, we, we like having extra people on. And so that's, it's always fun anyway. So um, again, thank you for joining us. And again, you are listening to the Frankincense podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you like what you listen to, if you enjoy what you listen to, like it, subscribe it, share it, comment. Um, just don't be mean, but just share something because it's nice. But um, but Jared and I just like to know people are listening. So with that, though, thank you again for listening to the Frankincense podcast. I am Bobby Benavides. That's Jared St. Martin Brown also the host it was a little bit breaking up there so i want to make sure i cover that but that is jared oh, st martin right at the end there, yeah, just up. edit me out okay um, um, you're, you're, put something smart in there. So, there you go so uh, again thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys later bye